Street Photography Magazine podcast, episode number 71, The Evolution of a Street Photographer with Debbie Cole. Hello and welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. Although Debbie Cole, a former business owner and corporate executive from Austin, Texas, spent most of her adult life as a landscape photographer, she never considered street photography until she attended, almost by accident, a workshop with Valérie Jardin in Paris. Debbie says that changed her life forever. Since then, Debbie has traveled the world to connect with people and sharpen her skills. Even during the height of the pandemic, Debbie ventures out almost daily to discover new things to photograph in her native Austin. Her transformation into a passionate street photographer was so profound that she was compelled to record her experience in a new book titled Letting Go, how less becomes more. During our conversation, I was really inspired by not only Debbie's personal story, but how she's dealing with this pandemic that's affecting all of us. So to learn more, have a listen to my conversation with Debbie Cole. And today I'm with Debbie Cole. Debbie Cole is from Austin, Texas. Hook 'em horns, huh? Yay. Yeah, Debbie. I guess you're a football fan, right? Well, you kind of have to be either in Austin yes. or or in Texas. That's for sure. What what am I talking about? Yeah. Come on, Bob. Yeah, it's a religion down there. Absolutely. Yeah, but Debbie uh Debbie is um former business owner, corporate executive metamorphosed into being a street photographer and a damn good one at that. She's a world traveler, has lots of adventures. She's a writer, a speaker, and you name it, she's there. So yeah, again, Debbie, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Bob. It's so good to talk to you today. Yeah, and I have to add, you've written a couple articles for Street Photography Magazine. I have to thank you for that. Uh, The latest of which appeared in our May 2020 issue. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, if you haven't read it, go everybody, go read it. So, Debbie, I'd like to ask everybody this question: Street photography. Why don't you just tell us how you happen to get into it? Um, serendipity. You know, which those are always the best stories. Uh, I was a, a photographer for my business, personal. Um, and mainly landscape photography because I loved to travel and hike into mountains and landscape photography was my thing until May of 2018. So it wasn't that long ago. A friend of mine said uh, that I used to travel with before we stopped traveling. Um, friend said, hey, I want to go to Paris would you come with me? And I said, yes, if you can find some way for me to just do photography for three days. I don't shop. I don't 
I'll drink wine, but I don't, I don't do a lot of the Paris things. I've got to be doing photography intensively. And I said, I don't have time right now to investigate. You find something for me. And I can, she was a good friend, so I could talk to her like that. But she found a three-day street photography workshop with Valerie Jardin. And I signed up. And there I went with lugging all of my Nikon gear, backpack, and lenses. And I show up, and everybody's got these tiny little cameras, <laughs> no backpacks. And I, I felt a little silly, but within, I, I, I swear to you, Bob, within an hour, I was hooked. And I thought, where has this been all my life? And I never looked back. Came back to Austin, sold all my Nikon gear, bought a Fuji uh, X-T3, and the rest is history. Yeah, I was going to say, Valerie's not going to show up with all that stuff. <laughs> no. Probably get better at 100 <laughs> half at the time, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suspected you attended her workshop, I guess probably I, just mm. because it was in Paris, and mm. Mm. Well, she's she's a fantastic teacher, and since then I've traveled with her to, let's see, I've shot with her in Sacramento, in San Diego, in so Paris, um, Berlin, and then most recently I was with her in Portugal in March. Just came back in March. Oh my God! So you were there during the outbreak of the virus. Yeah, and at the time, things were starting to unfold back in America, but it was still unreal. But coming back, it was when everything started to, to break. But um, yeah, she's she's a fantastic mentor and continues to be a mentor. And I consider her a friend, too. Well, nothing like having a happy customer. <laughs> I am a very happy customer because she and her workshop changed my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knew? It's it, Those are my favorite things. And, and I guess that's why I like street photography so much because I kind of have a plan when I go out. But then it's just keeping your eyes open for the unexpected. Those are the best things. And so it's it's not like back when I was a landscape photographer and I'd be setting up my tripod an hour before sunrise with six other people and thinking, what am I doing here? This isn't even pleasurable. I'm getting the same shot that five other people are getting. And it's very planned and it's very... Because I like, as much as I plan, because I am a planner, I love the unexpected. I love surprises that that show up in life because those are the best. And I think that's why street photography appeals to me because there's so much human humanity in it and so much emotion in it. And um, yes, I can watch a sunrise and be brought to tears with a beautiful sunrise, but there's nothing like that moment in time that has never happened before and will never happen again. And you happen to capture it. It's just special. It's special. That's right. And they're going on all the time. Yep. 
Yep. Most of them are totally worthless. Uh, yes. Finding that good one. Yes. And capturing it is like, you know, they're like grains of sand on the beach and you yeah. just have to find the right one out of billions. Absolutely. And it's breathtaking. It's, um, it is, uh, every time I uh, download things from my memory card and, and start going through them and I'll happen upon something that sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes it's kind of what I was angling for, but you never know. But it's, um, it's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to relive that moment in time through one's photography. Now, that being said, 99.9% of the people in the world may not have that same feeling when they view what I've captured, but I do. Mm-hmm. What else matters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you find those, I mean, you know it when you when you click the shutter or do you find them later when you review both both um this what i've been doing recently since there's not any traveling well i've been i've been doing exactly what i said to do in the article i wrote for you guys last year and that was explore your own town there are lots of things and i mean how prophetic was that but explore your own town and find things you can photograph in your own backyard so i go out every morning for an hour hour and a half and i drive around until i find a place that i think you know i, I haven't been to before not and i don't mean ever before but before our lockdown and i'll start walking and i'll find all kinds of things that I I may have walked a particular street a hundred times before, but I see something new and something different. Or um, as an example, I was walking on our, our main thoroughfare from our state capital in the downtown area, down the middle of town. It's called Congress Avenue. And so I was walking uh, down Congress the other day and I happened to see a man changing the letters on the marquee of an old um, movie theater and so I I didn't plan to run into him I didn't know he was going to be there I'd never seen anybody change the letters before but I stopped and I I asked him um, who he was ask his name and what he was doing and so he was just delighted to have somebody to talk to him and to tell me about the 27 years he's been changing letters on that old marquee and all of the details around that and so I said well do you mind if I photograph you while you're doing it now typically I don't um, there are lots of people around and and I'll catch things here and there but this was just me and him and so I was obvious that I was going to be taking his picture. So I did. So even that encounter was not planned. But then sometimes I'll bring the images back. Uh, One of my favorites was New York City, um, where I was photographing in Grand Central. And I was photographing a crowd of people just because I wanted some crowd scenes, brought it back. And then I noticed that there was a particular sign above the crowd that was very meaningful. And so that was a surprise. 
at the, on the one hand, I thought, oh my gosh, I just didn't survey that site, that scene very well first. I should have noticed that sign. But then it was a happy surprise. So I get both. Sometimes other people point them out to you and you don't even give them a second thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always nice having a second pair of eyes. Uh, I was on a call with another photographer. We were on Skype or something. He goes, he goes pull let me see some of your photos. Mm-hmm. So I pulled up uh, was a trip to Havana mm-hmm. and we're just, I'm just flipping through them on the, you know, on the screen share. And I went right past one. He goes, wait a minute, back <laughs> up. Cause tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's also a photojournalist. And he, he goes, well, this is what I like about it. Mm. I said, Gee, you know, again, he's, I was constantly criticized like that. I mean, that's what they, that's what, you know, happens when you have an editor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He goes, this is what I like about it. He says, you need to use that. And I would, it's in my gallery now. I would have never used it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, one thing I've found during this lockdown is particip- having the time mm-hmm. to participate in critique sessions, which has been, I've never, uh, intentionally done that, but so many wonderful, talented photographers are now having online sessions where you can upload your images uh, and in a small group, you know, maybe eight or ten people. Uh, everybody uploads. Uh, well, there was one where he asked us to upload fifteen, and so uh, we have these great photographers that typically don't have this kind of time to to do critiques and they're out there and i i it's that's not something i would have ever planned and it's been fantastic not only to have my own work critiqued but also to see other people's work and hear the critiques and of course like with critiques you ask five people what they think of your work and you'll get six answers (laughs) (laughs) you know I love that I love that um so it's but you know that's art and so it's a real benefit of having time available with some of these very talented world-renowned photographers never would have happened before yeah, it is a great opportunity, mm-hmm. and I've seen a number of yeah a number of people doing that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've thought about doing it as well. Probably mm-hmm. should get on the get on the stick and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Well, Valerie did her first critique session yesterday, mm-hmm. and and I believe she's going to continue to do them once a month. And um, so I've done hers, and I've done several other people's too. She's she like many other photographers are doing um, online classes now too, which that's another benefit. Some of these some of these photographers that wouldn't have typically done online classes now are. They can't do them any other way right now, so might as well. Yep, yep, that's for sure. That's for sure. Or um, there was one um, workshop I was going to go to in New York. And um, that photographer, you know, of course, we can't go to New York, is doing uh, one-on-one consulting instead. So it's the same sort of thing, but it's one-on-one critiques. 
Now I was going to ask you a question. Um, I read your book, and when you were talking about street photography, you, you said something that I liked, and I've been, I've been hearing other people say the same thing. You, you mentioned the practice of slowing down to observe what's happening. Now, many people who do street photography just get on the street and go, and snap, snap, snap. But others preach slowing down. How do you do that? Ooh, for those of us that aren't used to slowing down, uh, it's not easy. But after seeing um, the benefit, I know it's valuable. Now, I will say in my own town, it's much easier to slow down because I know what to expect. Anytime I go somewhere else, any other city, I want to, uh, I have this FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I want to be here. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I also know that if I do that, yes, maybe I will see an iconic area or an iconic thing or place, but I will miss the humanity that takes uh, the being slow to really participate, to, to observe. So it's, um, and I do both. I still go into an area and there's a lot going on and I get caught up in the energy of it and I'll shoot any and everything I can or I'm walking down a street and I see a person and I boom 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 you know but I do both I do both but I find some of the best for me the most meaningful encounters are when it's just stopping finding a bench um and, and, and right now it's tough because I went to a, a park in downtown Austin last week and I sit on a bench and there's nobody there. <laughs> and I think, yeah. okay, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? Well, I turned around. I sat, I sat there for 15 minutes just being frustrated and anxious and I'm not, I, it's, it's that, that, um, not fear, but that that anxiety around. I've got to get some shots. I've got to make some make some photographs. Well, I sat there on the bench, and then I turned around, and I saw a sign that I hadn't noticed when I walked into the park. I saw the sign, and I just I sat there looking at the sign, and then my gaze moved a little bit to the left, and I saw some people that epitomized the message on the sign. And so I had walked into the park. I had not seen the sign. I had not seen the people. I had just walked in with intention, sat on the bench, faced out to the street, and was grumbling in my head. But then when I said, take a breath, be intentional about this, be patient, what have you got to rush home for? This is my conversation in my head. What do you, what do you got to rush home for? What do you have to 
what's the next place you have to rush on to? Do you have a, a timeline here you're trying to meet? Do you have a deadline? Just sit here. And, you know, sometimes nothing happens, but sometimes some real magic happens. And so that photograph, um, it, it'll never be hung on my wall, but the one that I took is going to be part of the series I have on the signs of our time, which is what's going on during the lockdown in our city. And it's it's a project that may never, it, you know, probably never will be in a, well, never say never. It probably will never be in a book, but it's a project that um, I've, there was a meaningful photograph that I was able to make just by arguing with myself to slow down. It's interesting what you say about shooting in your own town. Um, just looking at the photos in your book, I noticed that the ones that you took in Austin and around that area uh, have more of a photojournalistic style mm -hmm. than your other photos that you've taken around the world. Maybe it's just me, but um, have you noticed that? Yes, and it's um, one of the things that I like to do is capture the flavor Mm -hmm. of so there's street photography that is you know I think for street the umbrella of street photography there are a lot of subsets to that oh yeah and you know so and that's another thing I love about street photography is it's so forgiving to you know you can call it street photography it could be almost anything but um it I love capturing the flavor of the culture of an area and so Austin the culture happens to be sort of funky, quirky, unusual, uh, and the people fit right into that. So I like going to um, I like going to festivals. I like going to um, looking for what's going on. You know. Uh, the roller derby that's not street photography but going to the roller derby and seeing observing people that attend roller derby on a regular basis you can tell because they're 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 really into it um that the spamarama uh, they're one of my favorite um festivals or, or events last year last summer was the watermelon festival in a little town outside of Austin and so it is it's sort of um, capturing the event but I like finding the people and the humanity and the realness of this is the essence of our culture and what we're about so it's it is it's it's just it's a little you're different it's different and you're very right that's good. I'm, I'm glad you noticed that because it jumped out at me right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I could feel it. And it's probably because you know it so well. <laughs> you spent a lot of time there, obviously, at your home. Well, and, and now it's, it's kind of tough. I go to the same websites looking for, are there any events going on? Is anything going on? And there's, there's not a lot going on. I mean, wisely, uh, they're not having festivals and events, but, um, 
I'm looking for safe, safe environments to be in where there might be people who are also being safe. And so it's um, smaller, smaller things going on. No festivals, though. Yeah, well, I did want to ask you, since we are still in a lockdown, I mean, how is that affecting your photography, your photo work, your life in general? How are you dealing with it? Um, let's see, two different things. Life, I will say that probably for the first two weeks uh, after coming back from Portugal, I was I I had done back to back trips, uh, photography trips. I had been to New Orleans, where I was on a float in the Mardi Gras parade, and I was photographing that. Then I went to then I went to Oaxaca, uh, with the Giving Lens, uh, and we were interacting with people in Oaxaca and um, a community of young women where we were teaching photography. Then I went to Portugal, so I was on. Uh, I was in my full-on go, go, go mode. Came back, city shuts down, and I was in a funk, a photographic funk. Didn't pick up my camera for two weeks. I thought, I'm exaggerating now, but I thought, oh, life is over. I can't photograph anymore. Trips were being canceled. Um I had a New York trip canceled. I had a um, two New York trips canceled, and and just one by one, a London trip canceled. One by one, couldn't go anywhere to photograph. And then I had the conversation with myself. Wait a minute, what? You don't have to be somewhere else. Pick up your camera. Go walk out your door. Put your mask on, and go look. Just look. So. What I've been photographing recently, there's a lot of street art now that as businesses downtown got boarded up, uh, street artists came and did some lovely street graffiti. So I've been photographing graffiti, uh, people in the park that are, um, that you can tell something's different um, photographing a um, not abandoned but closed up, boarded up businesses with other signs of hope that are in the same photograph. Um, I've also started doing visiting because there's no traffic and parking is a breeze everywhere. <laughs> Another advantage. There's a plus. Yeah. yeah there's a plus. Um, I've gone to some old businesses that have been closed down that were iconic in our city and they're now closed down. So um, maybe I, I get the sign and then I'm capturing some details of the decay of the building. Um, I found I found some sculpture downtown I'd never seen before and doing some macro photography. So when I start, when I picked up my camera and walked out again, I felt complete. So that's, that's been a savior. So once, I think once, no, I can't speak for anybody else. As an artist, if I can't create, then I feel like I'm withering. 
but there's nothing as long as I, I um, am safe and I act in a safe manner out in the public, which there are not many people out, um, but getting more, more and more every day, then I'm photographing what I can. I've noticed that there's so much construction going on. So I've started photographing some details of construction sites. So things I typically wouldn't do. I, if, if this lockdown hadn't happened, I never would have done this. Tell you, I'm just glad to hear that you were at Mardi Gras and you came out okay. <laughs> I know. How crazy is that? Yeah, man. Who, uh, who would have known at the time? Oh. But uh, that's interesting. I, I, talk, I ask that question to a lot of people, and many people say they've been in a funk. Many people say they're not going out. So I'm really glad to hear you're going out and you're making the best of it. And well, you've actually inspired me. So, Well, you, you can. You know, it's, it's a matter of being smart or, or wise. And, um, and there are people... I, I'm I'm not going to make a I don't well I have a personal opinion my my personal choice is I will wear a mask when I go out in public and when I go to the grocery store I that's my choice and I choose to do that some people choose not to and so there's I will say there's plenty of space for everybody right now uh, most of the places where it's crowded are in um, eating establishments. And I'm, I'm delighted people are able to open their businesses again. Um, it's a personal choice for me not to go into one, but I don't need to be photographing in a restaurant anyway. That's, that's not calling to me. So there's plenty. I mean, there's um, yesterday I started doing patterns, photographing patterns of things. And I found the most beautiful sidewalk mosaic that I had never seen before. So there's there's a lot, a lot to do. There's there's a lot. So yeah, I, I thought it might be tough on you, being a world traveler that you are. <laughs> you, it will, um, yeah. All right. I'm okay. I'm going to forewarn you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Several months ago, you posted in our Facebook group. You know, this is before this. This was, must have been in 2019. You said, I, I'm planning, you know, I want to plan some trips for 2020. Where should I go? Mm-hmm. And as a smart ass, I said Cleveland, Ohio. But I meant it. Yeah. And so when are you going? Um. Well, you mean for photography or just going? Yeah. Well, oh. For both. Well, I've, I've got a trip planned uh, in June. Uh, it, the sole purpose is to visit a daughter who uh, is probably going to be getting married while I'm there. I think that's the that's the intention. Um, so that's in June, and then the first uh, trip that I have that is it was one that was scheduled in April, and it's now been moved to October. My intention is to, and it's in um, Arizona, and it's um, Elizabeth Gilbert Conference. And so I usually go a couple of days. When I go to something like that, that's around 
um, writing creativity. The conference is on creativity. Uh, but I usually go somewhere a couple of days early and I'll photograph. So I don't know that I can wait to till October to, to travel for photography, but I have driven to some small towns outside of Austin and there's plenty to photograph there. There's plenty interesting stuff, not people so much. So I've had to just do a number on my mindset of stop with the, there's got to be people in it. I mean, which is funny for me because back when I was a landscape photographer, if any human being tried to show up in a shot, I'd move away, get out of the shot. And now, now I sit there and wait till somebody walks into a shot. So funny. Yeah, I've been actually for the last couple of years, I, I call it, uh, no people, <laughs> like street <laughs> photography, no people, mm-hmm. but I like to photograph the effects of people, mm. either on the landscape or in a community, and they look for that. And that's that's a good thing to choose right now because, mm-hmm. like you say, there aren't a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's actually a name for it. I found the new topographic movement it started what? back in the 1970s. New topographic wow. movement, yeah. Um, there were several photographers back in the seventies who practiced it and, uh, belonged to a Facebook group, the new topographic movement. So it's pretty interesting. You you might want to check it out. Interesting. Well, the, um, the photograph that was at the top of the story that, uh, just came out in street photography magazine was of, uh, one of the last existing soda fountains original soda fountains in the united states and it's in a pharmacy just down the street from me and so i thought huh i think i'll go and ask them if i can photograph inside the pharmacy and so it was um you know not photographically anything that will ever catch anybody's eye but but for me, the interaction of me in that space with the energy around the hundreds, if not thousands of people that had been in that pharmacy drinking malts and shakes and greasy burgers uh, until recently, and then getting to talk to the pharmacist that had been there for I don't know how many decades. It's just, it's a very special opportunity that uh, for me was very special. Do they come and unlock the door for you to get in or were they oh, already the pharma- pharmacy yeah. still open? Oh, that's true. That's yeah. True. The pharmacy still open. It's just that the soda fountain in the back is not in operation now. And and pro and won't be again. And that's the thing about wanting to capture some of these. Um, there there are places. This is and it's very sad. There are some businesses that have been around a long time. At least here in Austin, maybe other cities too, have been around a long time, and they're not going to reopen. They're not going to be able to reopen. Yeah. So to to be able to record bits and pieces of of that 
even if it's the signage or the um, one burger restaurant that has closed is now being in downtown Austin is now being gutted. And so I, I stop by, I drive by every day just to see what's going on. And one day I noticed that all of the booths, they had all these old funky, you know, booths in an old hamburger restaurant that they'd hauled out to the street and were all piled up. So I photographed all of that with the sign in the background and then got to talk to the head of the construction team. And he said that the new owner was repurposing all of those booths. They were taking them into storage, going to break them all down and reuse the wood in the Hmm. new restaurant. So a bonus to not just the photography aspect was, I feel like I'm getting to um, witness pieces of things that I never would have had time for, never would never have had. I, I, if I'd seen a bunch of booths piled outside a restaurant, I would have just driven by. Number one, because there's no parking, but also just because, oh, they must be tearing it down. But just being mindful of what's going on, what's going on on the surface of these times, and what's going on behind the stories behind the stories. And there's things to capture in that. I don't know. Have you seen any of um, Peter Turnley's images he's been making in New York during this time? No. It's He's gone out every day and photographed people. And in New York, there are a lot of people on the street still, but um, they're, they're very moving, very moving. I noticed uh, in, in the last article you did, and I encourage everybody to read it, so um, everything's in black and white, mm-hmm. and I just I just like the way you do black and white. Hey, do you have a secret sauce? Uh, no, 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 no secret sauce. I, um, I, another one of the things I learned that um, you know, as a landscape photographer, the more color, the better. You know, the brilliant mm-hmm. sunrise, the the sunset, the green of the grass. Uh, And when I used to shoot all the photography for my business, it was how green can I get this grass? And I used to only buy Fuji film because Uh Fuji film made greener grass. Yeah. yeah, Um, So when Valerie said it was talking about black and white, I thought, what? Black and white? That can't be very interesting. Well, I soon learned, for me, that taking away the color, either shooting in color or acros, or by, by the absence of color, there's more focus on the emotion or the mm-hmm. feeling or the story. For me. For me. So I... Sometimes, sometimes I still shoot in color. When I was in Bhutan, I shot a lot in color because the the um, native dress was so gorgeous, and and I really loved that. But um, I just think the absence of color enhances the feeling. Oh, I agree with you completely. 
there's probably not a photo I take that I don't look at in black and white. Mm -hmm. I probably choose it half the time. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you see, so uh, Valerie converted you to a Fuji user. What, uh, <laughs> she what, did. Yeah. What lens are you using on the street most of the time? Well, I... Um... I used an 18 to 55 for mm -hmm. quite a while because I, she's never broken me or I still kind of, I still have the training wheels on when it comes to uh, lenses. I still like my zoom, but um, I recently bought uh, a new Fuji and I limit myself to two cameras. Mm -hmm. So I, I had two and the new Fuji X-T4 came out and I, I wanted to buy that because it, I just wanted to buy that. So I, I sold my, I sold an old camera, bought that. And so now I've got a 16 to 80 lens that I'm using. I also have a 35. So I, I take just a, a fix. So I'll take them both out and I'll shoot them both. Now when I'm, when I'm walking around uh, for hours, I don't take two cameras, but right now I'm taking two cameras with me. Oh, so you've got one on each body. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I like the 35, but the the uh, 16 to 80 is pretty sweet too, especially with some of the buildings that I'm photographing details on buildings, and that that really helps. Um. I also recently, I used that lens to shoot, uh, there's a, a glass walkway going into uh, a hospital. And I stood in the middle of the street watching uh, medical personnel. And you could tell some were uh, doctors because they had on the white coat and some had on scrubs. But you, I watched them in this overhead glass walkway walk into the hospital and be stopped and have their temperature taken and mass handed to them. And, um, and so the lens helped with that. Yeah. Uh, it's, and when the Thunderbirds flew over last week, it wasn't good enough to get really sharp, crisp pictures of them, but I used it for that. So it, for, you know, two, two bodies, two lenses. That's, that's all I got. What else do you need? For me, nothing. Yeah, I went to shoot around our medical center. Got thrown out. Oh, were you really close? No, I was on the, oh. on the sidewalk. Oh, huh. Well, not thrown out. I was asked to leave asked. <laughs> by a guy with really big arms. <laughs> Respectfully escorted. And he was very polite. But. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I get that. Yeah. I think maybe now they might be less. That's true. Stressed. There, there was a lot of anxiety there for a while. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the medical community because they were yes. overwhelmed or they were afraid of being overwhelmed. Yeah. So yeah. I get that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Peter Turnley has some really nice photographs of uh, medical personnel in New York City, too. So you go, you do, do a lot of workshops, do a lot of shooting. Mm -hmm. You finish for the day. You come back to your hotel or your home. What's your workflow with dealing with a card full of photos? I bet you have a process. I do, but it's an evolving process. I'll, I'll tell you what I, I do is I'll 
um, if I'm traveling, I travel with my iPad rather than my laptop because the laptop's just too darn heavy. Um, but it, it, and so I'll upload, um, there, but I don't do any editing. I just look at them. And if there's something really, really, really bad, or if I took a, got a picture of my foot, you know, I'll delete those. But at home, I'll upload and go through everything again, getting rid of the obvious ones. But I've stopped being so um, critical of photographs because now sometimes I'll come back six months later and I'll find something that I kind of like again. So I've, I save most everything unless it's just so bad I'd never want to touch it again. And I'll go through and I will uh, star. I use Lightroom and I'll star all of the things that, that I really want to, uh, in the short term, come back and look at. And then, um, and it's, it is, it's quite, a process for me because it takes me several passes going through things. And I will admit another thing I've realized is that when I travel so much, I don't spend enough time looking at things. When I come back, I'll upload them and then I'll be off to the next trip. Now I will say that last year was an intentional heavy travel year. I don't typically travel as much as I did last year. It was intentional. And I don't know if my my um, gut or my other self was telling me, get in all this travel because you're going to be not traveling next year. <laughs> Who knows what it was. But um, so now I'm able to go back and really look through things. And uh, sometimes I'll, if I've got a project coming up. Well, I had a gallery show in January. I had to get stuff ready for, and it was about Bhutan. So I had to go through and quickly pull out things. I didn't edit them quite like I wanted to, but I did. I got them printed and got them hung. And uh, they're actually still hanging because the gallery's closed. But um, yeah, so it's the workflow of last year was not a great workflow. Now it's much more calm and deliberate and um, starring things and going back and spending some time to edit. And and I don't do a ton of editing, but some I may want to tweak a little bit more. Something that I may have look, looked at an image and said, nah, I don't like that. But then I go back and I think, huh, you know, if I just, maybe if I just crop in a little bit or Maybe if I lighten up this little area, I will like it. And I find out I do. So big lesson to me was not to delete too much. So when you, you put them on the iPad while you're traveling, um, uh-huh. and then when you get back, do you just copy them off onto your computer? Well, I, I, don't, um, I don't reformat the cards while I'm gone, and I, I upload them from, yeah, yeah. I see. So you're just doing it to review. I'm just doing it to review. Yeah. I'm always afraid of filling it up. Well, I want to, uh, some of them I want to look at. When I was in Portugal, I became enamored with um, a flea market. And I love flea markets. I, I love flea markets. Not to shop, 
but to photograph. Mm -hmm. And so I like to look at things thinking, huh, that was so interesting. I think I'm going to go back tomorrow. And so that's one reason I like to review them to see if I captured the feeling I wanted to get, if there's something I could do a little differently. And of course the people aren't, the same people aren't there, Hmm. but I love the whole idea. I've got a personal project uh, that I call second hand and it's about uh, consumer goods and objects and what happens to them. And so some of them end up at the curb. So I've got some photographs of things thrown out from people's homes. Uh, I've got things from flea markets, uh, photographs of people, photographs of things in flea markets uh, and stuff at um, secondhand shops. Yeah, I think we all have those little things. and I think it's important to pursue them, keep doing them. Mm-hmm. So, Debbie, before we go, I, I still have to ask you about your book. You just published a book not too long ago called Letting Go, How Less Becomes More. What can you tell us about it? It started out as uh, I wanted to compile other than on Instagram or my website or Flickr. I wanted to put a, I don't know, chronological history of the work I had done. That was my first thought. And then I thought, as I was pulling everything together, I thought, you know, I'm really not trying to make a coffee table book because it's not the art. It's not the images that I want to share with people because I can do that on Instagram. It's, there's a story behind me getting to the place of where I can show the work I've done because there was a time, the time I posted my very first image on Facebook, I was scared, nervous, and I thought, how dare I put this out there? Because I'd done photography all my life, and the stuff I did for my company never had my name on it. It, I did all of our marketing photography. I did um, for any kind of signage we did, anything. But it didn't have my name on it. This was the first time that I was going to be held accountable for work, putting it on Facebook. And that, for me, that was a big step. And I believe, I fully believe that everybody, everybody in the world is creative, has a creative nature, and it's just being willing to own it. So for me... Uh, writing the book, and the book's only, I don't know, I think the text portion's only about 15,000 words. That was the story of how I came to be able to share my work with anyone, my family, my friends, anyone. And in that workshop I did with Valerie in Paris was the first time anybody had ever said, oh, and by the way, on the last day of the workshop, We want you to show five of your images. I considered not going back that day. (laughs) 
I thought I can't do it. So the book really is about owning, owning my creativity and being, being vulnerable and being able to say, here's my work. I feel very good about it. Judge it or don't judge it. But it's not about, I'm not doing it for acceptance or for affirmation. Um, and so the, the journey toward getting there was over several years time. It wasn't just the, the because I, there's not a whole lot, not tons and tons of street photography in it. But um, it's about how I got to that point. And we all have that same sort of journey yeah, I think it does. It teaches an important lesson that I think basically you said it's not about getting likes. Mm-mm. Really about just pursuing your own vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good read. I recommend it. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks yeah. very much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Took it on vacation with me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I did. It's heavy. Come on, Bob. I can, I can, I can recommend lighter reads than that. But, but <laughs> I intended for it to be the sort of thing you could read in a short sitting. Not, you know, it wasn't meant to have to over several days' time. Yeah, yeah. Debbie. Debbie's a really good writer. Um, oh, thank matter you. of fact, yeah, we had at the end of every year we choose our favorite articles from the magazine. We do a podcast show about it. So Ashley, who was a writer herself, Ashley Hunsberger, our editor, chose one you wrote last year as her favorite article of 2019. I think I told you that, didn't I? You did. You know you, you did. And I will have to say that that is one of the most touching things that has ever happened wow. to me. I'm going to have to, I'll tell her that. It, it is. I, yeah, I was, um, and, and she wasn't, you guys weren't doing it to be nice. So I don't mean you were trying to, you know, just be nice, but it was, um, it was validating, but yet it was, uh, yeah, it was very impactful for me. It meant a lot to me. So thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome, and I'll tell her that. That's uh, she's an excellent writer, excellent writer herself, and so that's very high praise <laughs> that she said that. Yeah. So, well, Debbie, anyway, we're coming to the end of our time here. I wonder before we go if you can just tell us what's next for you besides your trip for your daughter's wedding, of course, <laughs> yeah. which is Not more important than it. Well, I'm doing uh, I'm doing more writing. Being at home uh, gives me the time and space to write. But I get up very early every morning and I write. So I'm blogging more. I'm um, being asked to write more articles, and I'm and I'm doing that, and I absolutely love it. So I'm getting to feed my creative spirit through writing, going out and photographing. Uh, I'm working on some projects. I'm pulling some old things back together, uh, things I've already photographed, 
to develop a pro small projects and then I'm um, looking toward new ones too. Wow. So I, I can't predict the future. I would love to have a crystal ball that says, yes, starting September 1st, we can all travel again or have a semblance of normal. But I think within each of us, we just have to find what uh, makes sense for us individually. Yep. Yep. It's change. It, it is change. Yeah. I've started doing some small um, video lessons because I, I do invited talks fairly frequently. I've also started doing some short little video lessons that um, I'm posting and I'm, I'm going to be teaching a couple of classes online too. So lots of stuff to do. Very good. So tell us where we can find your photography work, where we can find your video lessons, and where else can we find you online? <laughs> well, I am. I have two websites. I've in this time I've separated um, some of the functions that I do. Uh, my website is DebraColePhotography.com, and that's where a lot of my work is. Um, and then I have another website, DebraColeConnections. Uh, with an S on the end, plural, and that's where the videos are starting to be posted. And that's um, in another part of my life is um, I do that kind of work. So that's where you can find me. I'm on Instagram at Debbie Cole. And that's where I post. I have daily posts now of um, images coming from Austin and what it looks like now things going on oh very good very good well i'll tell you thanks it's finally great to have an opportunity to talk to you i've been following your stuff for for a good while so it's nice to nice to put a voice to a name well thank you bob you're so respected in the photography community and i'm very honored and flattered um, to get the time to talk with you